As I wrestled through this text this week, I became increasingly convinced that just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that God is not speaking. Sometimes when it feels like we're praying and praying and it's just bouncing off the ceiling, that God's mouth is closed, and yet when we pull back and take a broader view of what's happening in the world and happening in our lives even and how God is affecting the people around us, we learn that just because he is silent to the prayers that we might be asking him, it doesn't mean that he's not speaking. We had an opportunity this week uh, as an eldership, some of our pastoral elders, about eight or ten of us, uh, were called in by someone within our church family, a young woman who was suffering through this hard physical ailment season in her life. And she'd gone to the doctors and they diagnosed her and misdiagnosed her and did a surgery and a wrong surgery and couldn't figure out what was going on and she was in pain. She's out of work, wanting to serve the Lord in various ways and couldn't do it. And just so, if you've been there, it's so discouraging to walk through a season of hardship like that. And so she, she sent us a note and said, hey, I'm reading James 5 that says if anyone's sick, they should call the elders of the church and be prayed for and anointed with oil in the name of the Lord. Could we do that? And we said, of, of course. And so she came up this week and we had an opportunity to gather around her and, and hear her struggles, hear her walking through the suffering that she's experiencing what it feels like to be in those moments where you're praying and asking and God's not answering. and We have to pray for her and lay hands on her and anoint her in the name of the Lord and, and all those things. And as we walked out of that room, I had an opportunity to come back alongside this young lady and say, hey, you know what, I, I know that your prayer and our prayer is that God would heal you of this ailment and yet I, I feel like I want to let you know that that this moment today that God is doing in your life, in this moment, in this room, in this prayer room right here, God is using this to, to encourage even us in this circle. And hearing someone who's going through it and watching their faith and watching them commit to the Lord and follow God even in the midst of that suffering, there's something about seeing that, catching a glimpse of someone suffering well that, that grows the people around them. And maybe you've got someone in your family who's going through it and they're trusting the Lord and you're so encouraged by their faith. You're praying that they'd be healed. You're praying that their child would return. You're praying that God will answer their prayers, whatever it is. And yet while you watch them suffer and suffer well and suffer unto the Lord, God is using them to grow you. God is using them to impact their neighborhood. God is using their chaos to bring order to the people who are looking in from the outside. And though while we're in chaos, it's no fun to think about how God might be using our chaos. After we've come out of it and we look back and see what God has done through it, a lot of times there's some encouragement there. And this morning we have an opportunity to look at a text of Scripture where a man and his wife walked through a season of chaos where God was absolutely silent, and yet they remained faithful. This man's name was Zechariah. Luke tells us that God blessed him. He was a righteous man. He was a priest in God's household. He was chosen by God to carry out this amazing sacrifice on this morning where God meets him, that he is a man who was walking in faithfulness to God, him and his wife both, and yet they had gone through the ringer in their lives. Luke tells us that though they were both faithful, blameless, loved by the Lord, they were childless. That though through years and years and years of seeking and praying and trying, God never gave them a child. And so Luke says that 
Though now they were old, God had never answered that prayer that they were childless because Elizabeth was barren. And so we get an opportunity this morning in Luke 1 to to look in at a couple who's gone through it and remained faithful and be encouraged by them when God shows up and begins to speak. And so I'd love it if we could turn there together. This is Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. We'll be looking at the whole kind of story of Zechariah and this child coming, not to ruin the ending, but they do have a child. His name is John the Baptist. Sometimes the little chapter headings in our Bible ruin the punchline for us, the birth of John the Baptist foretold. But I'm going to read for us verses 5 through 13, but then we'll talk through the whole story. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the time for the burning of incense came and all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Let's pray together as we dive into God's word this morning. Lord, ever since the moment that Larry said we'd be talking about where you are in the midst of chaos, uh, many of us have been waiting to hear what you have to say to us. Now, some of us in this room are in it. We hear a story of a couple that's been childless for so long, and it hits us in the heart because of what we've been going through. And yet we admit some of us don't want to hear this story because we don't want to hear another story of God answering someone else's prayer when you seem so silent in ours. And we know that just because you're silent doesn't mean it's not, that you're not working. And yet, Lord, we ask that you would work. We ask for this young lady in the prayer room that you would heal her body. We ask for these families in Oakland that you would bring them healing, that not very many of them would hear their children had passed away, but we'd hear stories of people who are rescued and alive and safe. Lord, when we are in chaos, we call out to you, and all we want is to hear your voice, and sometimes when we don't hear it, we feel like we're doing all the talking and wondering when you're going to start speaking. And we pray that you would teach us and speak to us, even through this story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, a couple where you opened your mouth and began to speak in a miraculous way, and you would show us what that means for us. Us who who don't sometimes expect that we're going to hear miraculous words from you and Maybe you're tired of getting our hopes up. 
and yet we feel like this is our lot right now. Maybe like Zechariah and Elizabeth felt at the beginning of the story, this is our lot, this is what you've given us. Help us to navigate this road that you've handed to us. And we pray that wherever we are and whatever you're about to do in our lives or not do, we pray that you would give us the faith to hear you this morning. That you would use us to minister to those who are in chaos. That you would speak to us through this story of Zechariah for those of us who are in it right now. And you let us be people who are surrounded by great community, who provide community to others, and who serve those in need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many of you have ever encountered an angel in real life. Probably not many. <laughs> but I hear that it's terrifying. Every time we see in the scriptures an angel shows up, the people hit the ground and they're scared that they're going to die. I don't think Zechariah was expecting to meet an angel on this day, this day he was chosen to burn incense in God's temple. Right? In one way, this was already the pinnacle of Zechariah's career. One out of 18,000 priests was chosen every morning to go and burn incense in the temple, and today, Zechariah's name came out of the hat. This is your day. This is the once-in-a-lifetime chance. You will go into the temple, you will burn the incense, and so he's probably already scared as he's going in. Right? People die when they go into the temple and they're not blameless before the Lord. But God says, no, Zechariah is blameless, he's righteous, he's a good man. And though he was probably nervous operating this sacred duty, he did not expect to look to the right side of the altar. <laughs> I don't even know what to picture right now. And, and see an angel standing there. And Luke tells us that Zechariah was terrified. He was gripped with fear. Sometimes when God starts speaking, we're so used to him being silent that we don't know how to hear it, right? And so he hits his face maybe, or he's shaking. I don't know how the angel knew he was scared. Maybe he just knew, because you get scared when you see an angel. And the angel calms his fears and says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. I'm not here to murder you. <laughs> Your life is not ending. You didn't burn the incense wrong. I have news from God for you. And the news that the angel brought to Zechariah was news that he had been wanting to hear for a long time. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. And Zechariah probably didn't expect to hear uh, <laughs> those words. You know, you can pray that God would give you and your wife a baby for a while. But medically, or physically, there comes a point in a person's life, specifically probably a woman's life, when you start to realize that door is closed for good. Kind of like Abraham and Sarah. Women who are 90 years old don't generally get pregnant. And so I suspect that though Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying this prayer for a long time, all their young adult life and their adult life, and, and into those years when it draws time for childbearing age to be over, I'm suspecting the prayers got less and less and less, and yet the angel comes and says, your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will have a child. Call him John. Sometimes God answers our prayers <laughs> after we think the time is expired. 
I remember one of our missionaries, a man named David Thompson. He's a surgeon. He's in Egypt now. He was down in Africa in most of his career in a different place. And he had this experience where his wife came down with this really hard medical ailment, something that was just mysterious and crippling for her. And they had kids at home and it was just so hard. And so they, he's a surgeon, right? So they go to the doctors, and the doctors are just kind of, I don't know what this is. They went to their church, and they were prayed for. They did the anointing with oil thing, and nothing. They told their friends. They sent out the prayer letters. Pray for us. Help us. We need God's healing here. Nothing. And so at some point, I'm sure they resolved that, you know what, maybe this is just how we live now. This is the thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about. We're going to have to learn how to live with this. You're going to navigate life with this ailment. You're going to be under this oppression for the rest of your days. Let's just deal with that and prepare for it. And then a while later, they found themselves in the States at a conference. And in the midst of worship, Dr. Thompson started feeling like God was impressing on his heart. You should go after this conference today and receive some prayer for your wife. And he admits that at first, he's like, no, God, we're done with that, right? We've asked you. You said no. We asked everyone to ask you. You said no to everybody. And, and he couldn't shake this feeling that God was saying, no, today go and ask. Today go and ask. And so Dr. Thompson said, well, in obedience to the Lord, we weren't expecting much. We'd done it before. We thought, you know what, fine, let's do it. So after the end of the session, they go back and they grab some folks and say, can we get some prayer? My wife's got this really hard medical issue. And and I said, sure, right? And so they pray for her. And Dr. Thompson says, in the moment of prayer, she was healed. It wasn't the moment they were expecting. They thought God would pray the first time they asked. <laughs> and yet, after it had happened so much, they almost stopped asking. God shows up. When God shows up, and it's unexpected, It's unbelievable. I have not had an experience like that where I've gone through chaos and then God miraculously healed me. I've seen it. I've met people who've had that. Some of you probably have too. I've met more people who've struggled for a long time and, and God never miraculously healed them. But, but when God does show up, when he chooses to step into life at the perfect time, it seems, a lot of times it feels too late, but we, the perfect time, it's unbelievable. You can imagine the weight being lifted off of Zechariah that, this news that he's been wanting to hear from God his whole life. It's coming to him through the mouth of an angel in the altar of incense, in the temple. While God's people are praying and worshiping outside, they have no idea what's happening inside that room that Zechariah is having his deepest prayers answered. In a moment, he'll get to skip and run out of there and go and tell his wife. You know what the angel said? Elizabeth, the angel said, you are to call him John. He'll be a joy and delight to us. Many will rejoice at his birth. This is all coming together. This is what we've been asking for. This is what we've sought the Lord for. It's happening. Joy and delight. This is a blessing for them. But this is a blessing for everybody. When Mary's about to receive the word that she's going to give birth to Jesus, and she's going to rejoice with Elizabeth in a few chapters. 
The whole community is going to find out about this miraculous work that's happening as God is starting to speak into the world. The whole community has been experiencing the silence of God for 400 years, and God is breaking forth, and he's starting to move, and it's starting with Zechariah, who's too old to have kids, and Elizabeth, who's also too old to have kids. It's starting God speaking joy into light. Many will rejoice. I I picture Zechariah standing there before the angel after he gets up off the ground, and and starting to listen. And if you've ever had news that's great news coming for, from towards you, a lot of times you kind of zone out and then you have to come back in again and be like, wait, what are you talking about? And so I picture Zechariah like trying to take notes. I don't know how they took notes back then on all these things the angel is saying. It's all stacking on top of each other. Don't be afraid. Your prayer's been heard. Your wife will bear a son. Call him John. He'll be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or no other fermented drink, right? So don't feed your baby wine, God says. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. What God is saying is this boy is going to be set apart for his whole life for a special work. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's all starting. It's all starting. God is moving. The God who has been so silent through the decades of Zechariah's prayers is beginning to open his mouth and speak. And this blessing that's coming into his life is not just for him, it's for his family, it's for his community, it's for everyone. And Luke tells us that when Zechariah hears this news, he doesn't rejoice. Right? We feel like he should be jumping up and down. Yes! We feel like he should be like, ah, what? We feel like he just dropped the incense and run out while the angel's like, oh, I've got more to tell you, right? But Luke tells us that as Zechariah stood in that holy place and heard the greatest news of his life for the whole world, His heart, his mind starts getting clouded with doubt. I wonder if he's been praying for so long and had so many false promises. And so many people coming to him and saying, oh, the answer's right around the corner. So many people coming to him and and saying, no, God told me he's going to give you a baby. By this time next year, right? All those crazy things people say when we're in hard times. That even as this angel is standing before him and, and saying, your prayer has been answered, God is going to give you a baby, all that Zechariah can think to say is, how can this be? We're old. <laughs> that door is closed. That time has passed. That prayer was denied. Now, maybe you've had that experience. You've been suffering, or someone that you love has been suffering with a sickness. Maybe it's cancer, something hard and chronic, and you've gone to the doctor, and you did some treatments, and they started to work, and then they didn't. And you started getting better, and then it didn't. The doctor put you on this new treatment, and it worked for a while, and then it went back down. 
And then one day you find yourself sitting in the doctor's office and your doctor's smiling and saying, we found this great new treatment. It's working wonders on so many people. We're going to try it on you, right? And you're supposed to be excited in that moment because your prayers are being answered, right? Here's the healing elixir you're going to be able to take. And yet, you've heard that before. You go, I don't want to get my hopes up again. I've done the experimental new treatment before. I've done the thing that's worked for everyone else before. How can this be? Your child has been always doing his own thing. Caught up in drugs, caught up in alcohol, caught up in the wrong crowds, leaving the home, homeless, all that, right? All that. And your whole life, you're always getting these little hopeful glimpses from your friends. Oh, I talked to your son. He looks like he's doing really good. I got an email. He says he's going to AA or NA or whatever, right? And, and at first it used to spark you with this joy like, oh, this is happening. They're getting better. My prayers are being answered. But then your child just falls into it again, falls into it again, falls into it again. And you've learned to guard yourself so that when someone comes and says, great news, your child wants to get better, like, how can this be? I prayed forever. Nothing worked. He's gone to rehab before. It never worked. Right? She said she's going to get clean before. It never works. How can this be? We can get so used to the no. <laughs> and it's hard to hear a yes. And it seems foolish to just listen to some random person who's coming up to you and telling you that they heard a word from the Lord for your situation. You're sick of everybody looking at you with pity. Saying, I'm praying for you, it's going to get better. You don't want to hear the potential good news. You just resolve that this is your lot now. And Zechariah looks the angel, I don't know if he looks the angel in the eye, but in my mind, he's looking the angel in the eye and saying, How can this be? It's too late. I'm old. I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, <laughs> I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent by God to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent <laughs> and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. On one hand, this is a judgment from God on Zechariah who did not listen to an angel who left the throne room to bring him a message. You will be silent and unable to speak. And a lot of the commentators say that he was not just mute, but he was also made deaf in that moment. Because we see when he does regain his hearing in that scene, not only can he not communicate with others, but people have to use sign language to communicate with him. So apparently he couldn't hear either. God judges him in a sense and makes him live in this cone of silence for these nine months until the baby comes. And so yeah, God is 
is bringing a judgment, a punishment to Zechariah. But at the same time, when I read the story, I wonder if this judgment from God is not also a divine act of grace from the Father. Zechariah has been spending his whole life talking and talking and talking to God, and God has been a mute and seemingly deaf to him. And now God says, okay, you know what? I'm going to close your mouth. <laughs> I'm going to close your ears, and I want you to use your eyes and just watch as I begin to work in a powerful way. I picture that scene from uh, Christmas Carol <laughs> with the ghost of the Christmas past and Christmas present. Is that right? And Christmas yet to come. Ebenezer Scrooge gets put on this tour where he stands outside the glass at Bob Cratchit's house and he gets to see inside the warmth of the house this beautiful family that's having Christmas. But Bob Cratchit has to work because of mean old Mr. Scrooge, right? He can't communicate inside the house. He can only see it. And this is the judgment that God put Zechariah in for this nine-month period. He says, listen, as these things start to unfold, you're just going to be an observer now. You're going to sit there quietly as you just watch your wife, who's old, get more and more and more pregnant. You're not going to hear anything except for these words from the angel bouncing around in your brain. Name him John. Rejoice. Great child. Turn people back to the Lord. You're going to sit there in your house. I picture him. I know they didn't have armchairs back then, but I picture Zechariah like sitting in his armchair like, what am I supposed to do, right? And Elizabeth's there, and she's a few months pregnant, and then Mary comes busting in the door, and Luke says, Elizabeth exclaims in a loud voice, which Zechariah cannot hear, whoa, the mother of my Lord has come to me, and they're jumping up and down apparently and dancing like women do when they get great news, like, ah, it's happening, it's happening, and Zechariah's just... He's marveling at this work of God unfolding, and he can't contribute to it. He can't speak into it. He can't even hear what's happening, but he sees that God is at work. This child is born. He's never heard him cry. Maybe that's a blessing. I don't know. <laughs> Eight days later, they have the circumcision. He doesn't hear him cry then. They have the naming ceremony, and the community comes out, and they're amazed. A baby. These old folks had a baby. And then it comes time to ask, what are you going to name the kid? Right? The community jumps in, Zechariah Jr. Right? Look at this old man over there in the armchair. He's having a hard time. Let's do something for him. And Elizabeth jumps back and says, no, 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 call, call him John. And the community says, there's no one in your family named John. Right? It's like, it's not how we do things. It's like, Zechariah, no, call him John, right? And so they're like, all right, you know, we should talk to Zechariah himself before we gave his name away. And so they're trying to talk to Zechariah, and they start making signs. And I, this is before sign language, right? I don't know what, what they're saying to him or what he's understanding. And finally, he realizes they're asking him, what should we name this child? And Zechariah hasn't spoken in nine months, but he knows what he's supposed to say. Name of John. That's what the angel said, right? And so he gets a tablet to write on, and he writes, his name is John, and he shows the people. And then God opens his mouth, and he begins to speak. Luke tells us that the people get a little bit nervous when they see this miraculous thing unfolding right before their eyes. His name is John. 
And in the story that started with a man named Zechariah who had been speaking and speaking and speaking to a God who was silent, it's so beautiful that this story ends with Zechariah speaking and praising the name of the one who has spoken and continues to speak. If you're looking for something that you can read and wrestle with and be encouraged by as you read the scriptures during this Christmas season, read Zechariah's prayer that he makes to the Lord. It's like Mary's Magnificat, but it's Zechariah's version. And he is praising the Lord, extolling the good name of the Lord who is doing great things, not just for him, but for the whole world. In these nine months where Zechariah was quiet, apparently he was thinking a lot about what God was about to do through this child. He had given him this miracle, and it starts coming out and bubbling out as he's praising and praising and praising the one who has answered his prayers, who has shown up, who has done great things. Unbelievable. It's funny, we look at a man like Zechariah, maybe we look at our own lives when we go through chaos, and our view is just on us, right? God, I've got this sickness, take it away. God, this person's hurting. Fix it. God, this individual need I have, lift this burden. Give me this provision. Whatever it is, God, it's about me. But when Zechariah prays, he doesn't pray a prayer about him. After nine months of wrestling with what this means, he realizes this blessing is not primarily for him and Elizabeth. This blessing is for the world. You'd expect Zechariah to come out of this and say, God, you're so amazing. You gave us a baby. He doesn't say that. God, you're amazing. We prayed for so long and you said no and now you've said yes. Look at this beautiful boy. Nope. Zechariah blesses God and he says, look at what you've done in the world through me. Look at the ripple effect of this blessing in the world through me. Look at what you're doing in this world and I'm a part of it. God has used this nine months of silence to open his eyes to see that there is a much bigger work taking place. This blessing is not about him. It's for everyone. It's interesting, if you read through this story in Luke 1, and you can jump back and do it later, you see that Luke intentionally weaves the role of the community in every scene of Zechariah's story. We see that before Zechariah heard this answer to prayer, that him and Elizabeth were under the reproach of all the people. They were looking at him like, oh, those poor people, God never answers their prayer. Maybe they've sinned, right? The people are down on them. And then Zechariah goes to offer this incense on that day, and Luke tells us that the crowd of worshipers were standing outside. Then as Luke is in there wrestling with the angel, so to speak, this crowd is outside, and Luke says they're wondering, what's taking so long in there? And then Luke comes home and he's silent for nine months, and then the crowd comes to his house, and they see this baby boy, and they're amazed. Zechariah says his name is John and they're wondering. Zechariah's tongue is loosed and he begins to speak and Luke says the people are terrified. The people are terrified and they start pondering what does this mean? What is the significance of this? And then Luke tells us they go up back into their cities and villages and up into the hills and they start telling everyone about the miraculous work of the Lord. This story is not for Zechariah. It's for those who were looking on. And this morning, if you're someone who is in the midst of chaos, and you're thinking, oh, this is just another sermon about how God's about to answer my prayer. I don't want to hear it. I don't think that's the message of this story. I think this is a story that tells us that God can answer prayer, that God does answer prayer, that God sometimes answers prayer at the 11th hour. But I think more than that, I think this story shows us that when we walk through the chaos of life, Sometimes it's not for us, it's for 
others. How often do you see someone going through something hard and you think, man, that ministers to me. I was talking to Amber, whose story was up last week, and maybe you saw it on Facebook if you weren't here. Amber's story of her addiction and recovery and meeting Jesus and her baptism and all that. And, and so this morning she said, man, Danny, all week long and all day today, people are coming up to me and they're telling me how much they were blessed by my story. Right? When she was sleeping behind a dumpster, pregnant, she never thought she'd be a blessing at that moment in the story. And yet as people hear the story, God uses her pain, her chaos to heal us, to speak to us. Sometimes God is being silent to you, but he's speaking loudly to those who are watching you struggle. <laughs> and though that's never fun to think about, I think it's good that we're reminded that even when it seems that God is silent, it doesn't mean he's not speaking. Now Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. It's better to go to a funeral than to a wedding. Because when we go into a place where there is pain and darkness and we watch someone go through it, we learn there. And we learn a lot more. We're impacted a lot more. We're transformed a lot more at someone's memorial service than when we go to a wedding and celebrate and dance, right? God uses chaos. He works in the midst of chaos to bless the community of people around us. And yet even in the story of those who are in the darkness with Zechariah, I think it's good that we're reminded that when we experience darkness as believers, when we walk through the chaos, when we go through the hardship, it is not God cursing us. This is not God's judgment on us. Right? Zechariah's judgment was silence and it was also a blessing. His judgment was not his childlessness. That was a tool that God used, a, just a glimpse in his story, a, a moment in his story that changed the world. That was not God's judgment. And even that phrase, his name is John. You know what John means? It means Yahweh is gracious. And God gives good gifts. Every time this name is spoken, you'll remember that this is not the God who did not speak to you. And this is the God who graciously gives good things to all who ask of him. And sometimes God answers your prayers in the way that you desire it. <laughs> and sometimes he answers your prayers by speaking through you into the community around you. But God is always good. He's always gracious. Every perfect gift comes from him. And everything we experience in this life, God uses it for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes.